Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see you here this morning. I really appreciate that hymn. I think it sets the uh, tone for our service this morning. Brethren, we have met for one reason, and that's to worship God. To worship and adore the Lord our God. And then it says, and here's my plea to you, will you pray? Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray. And holy manna will be showered all around. And I say amen to that. Thank you, Brother uh, Diego, for opening up the service. And thank you, Brother Sam, for taking care of the hymnals. Now, leading music is not my forte. And uh, if you were here this past Wednesday, we had favorites, and we sung everyone's favorite, tried to anyway, and we got through it. We got through it. And uh, it was a good time of fellowship and singing together. We're glad you're here. We're glad to have our visitors with us this morning. Now, uh, our pastor is not here today. He's actually there on their way back. It'll be five or six hours, so they should be with us for the evening service. But, uh, you know, there's some people who have said that he looks like me. And, uh, and actually, it's the other way around, I believe. <laughs> should be the other way around, right? Or no, they say, I look like him. That's what it is. But he looks like me. Anyway, he goes around the country impersonating me. So if you see him out there somewhere, <laughs> and if you ever see, if you ever see our, someone's picture in the post office, it's not me. All right. It's not me. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles, please, and let's turn to the book of Psalm 85. And Janet, thank you for playing. Oh, she just won't. Oh, there she is. Thank you for playing this morning. I personally don't like singing Yucky Pillow. Yeah, that's what you sing when you don't have the music. But uh, if you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Psalm 85, and just hold your place there for a moment. I want to say thank you for all those who prayed for me a few, oh, about a month ago, I guess it's been now, since I was uh, in the hospital with uh, respiratory problems. But I thank the Lord that I'm able to preach this morning without oxygen, and I've been able to sleep and carry on without oxygen for the last couple of weeks. So hopefully this won't do me in this morning. But keep us in prayer. In 1905, 1904 actually, in 1905, uh, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the land of Wales. If you don't know where Wales is, it's spelled, and it's not like the whale, the mammal that's in the ocean, but it's spelled W-A-L-E-S. Uh, the country of Wales is in the west part of Britain. Well, during that outpouring of God's Spirit, newspapers sent their reporters from London uh, to get first-hand news of the very unusual things uh, which were taking place in that country. Upon their arrival, one of them asked a policeman where the great Welsh revival was. Well, the policeman stood to his full height, and he straightened himself out, and he removed his hat, and then he placed his hand over his heart, and he proudly proclaimed, Gentlemen, the Welsh revival is in this uniform. Isn't that precious? That's a good answer for the Diego. Recognizing the need 
of revival in my own life, and I, along with Pastor Mark, and he has mentioned it several times uh, since we made our move here. Uh, I've heard him mention several times in his messages. Um, we are both persuaded, and we believe that the greatest need among God's people today is for a fresh Holy Spirit sent revival. We need revival in our hearts. We need revival in our homes. And we need revival in God's house. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to stand with us, please. We're going to read Psalm 85. <clears throat> Lord, Thou hast been favorable unto Thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of Thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. And thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned away thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. And grant unto thy, us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people <clears throat> and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth. And righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good. And our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him. And shall set us in the way of his steps. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we <clears throat> thank you for blessing us with your word this morning. Lord, we have come to worship you. And we worship you in our songs. In our giving this morning and now in our preaching and we pray that you would help us and I pray father that this message will make a difference in each of our lives thank you for all who come this morning thank you for those who uh, have helped in the different ministries here and we praise you for your goodness and for your love for us <clears throat> now Lord give us strength I pray that you'd give me the strength I need and the voice to preach this morning <clears throat> bless Pastor Mark and his family as they travel Look forward to seeing him this evening, and we'll praise you for that. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. May he be glorified today. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What is revival? Just think about that for a moment. What is revival? Some people think that revival is a, a great religious awakening, maybe uh, involving crowds of people with many turning to the Lord. However, the word revival simply means to refresh. To refresh and to renew. And that's in simplicity, the simplicity of that word, re revival. I don't know how long you have been a Christian. I don't know how long you've been a part of this church family. And uh, I don't know if you have ever heard a message 
dealing specifically with the subject of revival. There's not much said about that today, in actual fact. Basically, revival is God's people getting refreshed and renewed by getting right with God and then with each other. It is the soul being rekindled with the love of God and overflowing to others. I want to share with you this morning a few quotes from what some have said about revival. I have in my library, and we've put it over here in the church library now, uh, the majority, well, all of our books, some are in pastor's office. But there, there's a, quite a number of books on the subject of revival that I have read down through the years. Um, I love to read. I, I, I love books. And I thank the Lord for the books that I do have or had. And I pray that others will be able to be blessed by them also. One author said this, the word, quote, the word revival has never been more used and never more abused than it is in our times. To such an extent that its meaning is often unclear. Revival can be defined as a sovereign work of God's spirit, producing an unusual awakening of spiritual life among God's people. A deep hatred of sin, a longing for holiness, and a passion to reach uh, the unsaved. Another author said, quote, by, revi by revival, we mean that gracious outpouring of God's Spirit, which restores life and vitality to the church. In revival, the people of the world become conscious of spiritual realities, and sinners are converted to Christ in considerable numbers. As a result of revival, the standard and practice of holiness among professing believers is elevated and fresh impetus is given to the church's missionary task. Another quote, in using the term revival, I'm speaking of an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. Another quote, Revival is God's work within and upon Christians and churches, and results are seen in the lives of believers, in the witness and the work of churches and in the local community. Another author said, Revival is a community, a community saturated with God. Hmm. So why do we need revival? I believe that we need revival in order to fulfill our highest goal, and that is to glorify God and to make a greater impact upon our community. You know, many churches and Christians no longer have an impact upon their communities. And the reason for that, Brother Diego, is because I don't want to say they, I'll say rather we. We have dried up, Brother Sam. We have dried up and we need a fresh touch from God. Sadly, our churches have become relics of religion instead of renewed places of revivals. So where, where does revival come from? Uh, when does revival come? Who is it for? And what does it do? And when do we need revival? What keeps us from having revival? And what will a heaven-sent Holy Spirit revival do for God's people in churches. Well, 
I ask this question, will we ever see? I would dare say that probably the majority of us here have never really seen a true, heaven-sent, Holy Spirit-produced revival. What will it do for us? What will an extraordinary movement of this Holy Spirit of God produce? He will produce extraordinary results. I believe that God's infallible word has the answer to these questions. And, and, And one commentator said this, quote, The psalmist acknowledged the goodness of God in restoring his people and forgiving their sins. He then prayed that the Lord would remove his wrath from his people and send revival. His confidence in the Lord came from God's promise of salvation. And so we're going to focus our attention this morning on verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Well, where does revival come from? If you have a, is there anyone who didn't get a, a lesson sheet this morning and you, you like one? Anyone at all? All right. You can follow along with me and that'll make it a little bit easier for everyone. You notice the first thing on your lesson sheet is a, the origin of revival. The origin, in other words, where does revival come from? And how does it come? Well, I, I, I begin by saying this, revival does not come from any man. Did you hear me? Revival does not come from any man. Real revival, quoting another author said, he, he said this, real revival comes only from God. He alone is the fountainhead. A spiritual awakening cannot be scheduled, cannot be worked up, cannot be humanly engineered. Revival is a sovereign act of God upon the church, whereby he intervenes to lift the situation completely out of human hands and works in extraordinary power. And the author said this, there is a sense in which revival is like a prairie fire, ignited by a bolt of lightning from the heavens, without organization, without advertising, without even sometimes human leadership. And you know, down through the course of history, there have been many great revivals. I don't know how much you, uh, how much you're aware of uh, of this subject revival, or or the history of revival, or where revival has taken place. But down through the course of history, there have been many, many great revivals, and God used some men. He does use some men during those times of refreshing. Uh, for instance, in 1734 and 35. In New England, God used a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Perhaps you are familiar with that name. And uh, what became known as the Great Awakening. In, In 1735, 34 and 35, in New England, God used, uh, sorry, in 35 and 39, through 39, in Wales, God used two men, Howell Harris, and Daniel Rowland. And I don't know if these names don't mean anything to you right now, but these are men whom God used in these revivals. In 1739 through 1742 in England and Wales, God used John Wesley. 
Again, a name that I'm sure we're familiar with. And he used another man by the name of George Whitfield. During the great Welsh revival in 1904, God used Evan Roberts. In 1921, during the revival in the coastal town of Lostoff in East Anglia, now that's not far from where my wife Melody is from, God used a man by the name of Douglas Brown. He was a Baptist preacher from London. And by the way, this was the last revival in England. There has not been another revival in England for 101 years. In 1949, in 1950, a great revival took place in the Outer Hebrides on the Isle of Lewis, off the northeast coast of Scotland. And God used a man by the name of Duncan Campbell. You know, sadly today, uh, sadly many people living today have never seen a real Holy Spirit sent revival, especially in our country. I want you to notice our text. The psalmist begins, and he says, Oh God, wilt, wilt thou not revive us again? Look at verse 4. Turn us, O God, of our salvation. And then in verse 6 he says, Wilt thou? And so we see here that God alone is the author of revival. These men that I just mentioned, they did not bring revival. God did. They were just his instruments. And they were messengers of his gospel. Revival is a sovereign work of God. Only God can bring true revival. And you know what? If revival comes from God, uh, when will he send it? Well, I believe when God's people pray and ask him and repent of our sins. Notice our text says, Wilt thou? Lord, won't you send revival again? Won't you revive us again? Psalm 85 is a, is a psalm of praise uh, for past deliverance and for blessings. And it's a prayer for a present revival. Wilt thou not send us? Lord, will you send us revival? And I think the most important preparation for revival is prayer. Prayer. Every great revival that you read about has been preceded by a humble, repentant, earnest prayer. Matthew Henry, the uh, English Puritan preacher, said this, quote, When God intends great mercies for his people, the first thing he does is to set them a-praying. God sends revival when the right conditions are met and when he chooses. And so what are the conditions for revival? I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. In the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. Chapter 7. And we're going to read verse 14. God says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. So, 
When true revival comes, time doesn't exist. Think of that. Where, where did we ever come up with the concept of yearly revivals? Many churches have them. Every year they've got to have a revival. Where and when did we conceive the idea that revival services can be scheduled? Maybe on a given night or week, maybe say from Sunday through Sunday, and let's say from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. And that's when we'll have revival. Is that the way it works, folks? No, sir. You see, when real, when revival, true revival comes, it comes on God's time. On His timetable, not ours. And revival will not come, or will come, only when God is ready to send it. And He will send it when His people are ready to receive it. When true revival comes, not only, excuse me, does time not exist, but when revival comes, when real revival comes, it doesn't make a lot of noise. How many of you have, you, of you have heard of the Toronto Blessing? This was a few years ago. The services were filled with people falling in the aisles, going into hysterics, laughing and carrying on in ungodly ways, Brother Diego. It was utter chaos. How many of you have heard of the promise keepers? Benny Hinn. Excuse me, I'm not ashamed to name names, all right? Benny Hinn. The TBN. Uh, Joel Oldstein. Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland, Creeful Dollar, and a host of others that we could mention this morning know absolutely nothing of real true revival. They make a lot of noise. And those so-called Christian ministries are filled with confusion, with the uh, emotionally high-charged excitement, uh, disorderly behavior, unbiblical teaching, and Christ-dishonoring noise that has brought reproach upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, His church, and His gospel. One old preacher said this, Revival is not going down the street with a big drum. It's going back to Calvary with a big sob. With a broken heart. With a broken and contrite heart. And then revival is not really necessarily large crowds. A lot of souls being saved, although that may be a result of revival. It's certainly not one of laughing and entertainment. Not having your felt needs met so that you can feel good about yourself. Revival is not some musical extravaganza, extravaganza uh, using the, the beat and the style of the world with a few spiritual words added. That's not revival. I ask you this this morning. Is it possible for revival to come again? Yes, it is. I believe it is. You see, the psalmist said, Wilt thou not revive us again? Again? And we cannot live on the blessings of past revivals. I love reading about revivals, Brother Diego, but all the books and stories that I've read and accounts of revivals, really, I can't live on those. 
I need revival today. Not read about them in the past. We need, beloved, we need revival. We need to be revived again and again. Well, the second thing we have here is the, the objects of revival. Let's consider that for a moment. Who, who is revival really for? Now you may be surprised, but it's not for the lost. Revival is not for the lost. Wilt thou not revive, who does he say? Thy people. Us. Thy people. And uh, you see, the lost don't need to be refreshed or renewed. They need to be regenerated. They need to be born again. And if you're here this morning, dear friend, and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, revival is not for you. You don't need to be revived. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to know that your sins have been forgiven and that you have eternal life in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, revival is for God's people. It's for Christians. Wilt thou not revive us again? Thy people. And notice again in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, that's us, Christians. You and I. We need revival. And then thirdly, there's the obstacles of revival. Why, why don't we have revival today? What, what keeps us from having revival? What, what hinders revival? In a book entitled, Why Revival Tarries, Leonard Ravenhill, the author, lists several reasons why revival doesn't come. Number one, because evangelism is so highly commercialized. Number two, because of the cheapening gospel. Number three, because of carelessness. Number four, because of fear. Number five, because we lack urgency in prayer. And then number six, because we steal the glory that belongs to God. You see, God will not share his glory with anyone. Only he deserves glory and honor. Maybe it's because we don't have what it takes to have revival. Submissive hearts. Surrendered lives. Our backslidden hearts and our wicked sins keep us from having revival. Notice again, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It's because of our wicked ways that we don't have revival today. And you know what? We don't want to pay the cost. Did you know revival cost? There's a cost for revival. <clears throat> and our refusal to humble ourselves, uh, to seek his face, to pray, and to turn from our wicked ways all keep us from revival. And then, there's another reason. We don't want what it brings. <clears throat> we really don't want what, what revival brings. First, it'll bring an overwhelming sense of God's presence. Second, it'll bring an awful awareness of the seriousness of sin. Third, <clears throat> it will bring an unusual evidence of transformed lives. And fourth, it will bring an effective passion to reach the lost. Moving down to number four, what is the outcome of revival? 
What, what will be the results of real Holy Ghost sent revival? What will it do for our church, Yellowstone Baptist Church, and certain, certainly for all churches that preach the gospel? What will real revival do for us, folks? Well, here are some distinguishing marks of past revivals, okay? A turn, a return to Christ-centered, God-glorifying, Spirit-filled biblical worship. Unrelenting, fervent prayer. Repentance and renouncing sin. A recovery of the genuine gospel preached. Evangelism, a harvest of souls being saved. The lasting fruit of holiness and Christ-likeness. Numerical growth of our congregations. And you know what? When real revival comes, it brings joy. Notice our text. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may what? Rejoice in thee. When real revival comes, God's people rejoice. There's a joy that fills our heart. And... Uh, when we're revived, we can rejoice. You know, there are so many Christians who have no joy today. And instead of having the joy of the Lord, they're just flat out miserable. <clears throat> Pardon me. When real revival comes, Jesus will be exalted. And He will receive all the glory. Notice the verse says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee, in thee, in God. And God will not share his glory with anyone. I said that a while ago. And when we try to steal the glory that is his and his alone, uh, then revival will not come. When real revival comes, Christians will love each other. And the world will see it. When real revival comes, evangelism will take place. And souls will be one to Christ. When real revival comes, God's blessings will be poured out. When real revival comes, there will be a renewed missionary endeavor. And when real revival comes, churches will be revived and society will be changed. When real revival comes, folks, it means... Unfaithful Christians show up. You know, in my years of ministry, 45 years of ministry, I've had many people say, Preacher, we'll be there in spirit. And my reply to them is, I'd rather have you here in body. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And by the way, we have Sunday school at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We also have an evening service at 6 o'clock. And then we also have a Wednesday Bible study and prayer time at 6 o'clock. And I want to extend an invitation to all of you. Ask the Lord what He have you to do. Let me ask you this. I read this just recently. There are many people who say they love God and they are part of God's family. But yet they don't want to be with God's family by their very absence. When real revival comes, it means apathetic Christians get stirred up. When real revival comes, it means sleeping Christians wake up. 
When real revival comes, lazy Christians get up and get busy. When real revival comes, lukewarm Christians get fired up and fall in love with Jesus and with each other. When real revival comes, drinking Christians dry up. When real revival comes, disgruntled Christians sweeten up. When real revival comes, delinquent Christians pay up. Dishonest Christians confess up. Silent Christians speak up. Gossiping Christians shut up. Grumbling Christians cheer up. Stingy Christians loosen up. Idle Christians get harnessed up. Immobile Christians get geared up. Immature Christians grow up. Stony Christians' hearts are broken up. Black, backslidden Christians get prayed up. And God's people will have a deep hatred of sin and a longing for holiness and a passion to reach the unsaved. That's what real revival brings. And then finally, there's the offer of revival. Uh, when can we expect revival? And, and, and is it available today? Yes, it is. When the sinfulness of man and the holiness of God are emphasized. When sin is confessed, when God's people are bent and broken over their sins, then we will have real revival. God is willing to forgive us our sins and to send revival, but only when we meet His conditions. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Brother Sam, would you come please? We're going to sing our final hymn.
closing, let me ask you, do you really want revival? Ask yourself that question. Uh, actually, do we really want revival? Do we, do we really mean it when we sing, Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled from fire, with fire from above. Most of you have probably never heard of Gypsy Smith. His full name was Rodney Smith. They called him Gypsy Smith. He lived in 1860 to 1947. He was born in a tent in England, and he was raised in a gypsy camp. And he never attended school, yet he influenced the lives of millions of people, not only in Great Britain, but here in America. He influenced them for God through his powerful preaching. Someone once asked him how to start a revival, and his answer was simple. He said, quote, Go home. Lock yourself in your room. Kneel down in the middle of your floor. And then draw a chalk mark all around yourself. And ask God to start the revival inside that chalk mark. When he has answered your prayer, the revival will be on. Maybe we all need to go home and do that. And then as the Welsh policeman said, when someone asks us where the revival is, we can say the revival is inside these clothes. Amen? Amen. And because revival is a sovereign work of God, may our hearts cry out with the psalmist, Oh God, wilt thou not revive us again? Lord, won't you send revival that we, thy people, may rejoice in thee. So may God send revival to America and may it begin in each of our hearts. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. One more note because it's been on my heart. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask how many of you love your pastor, I'm sure most, no, I hope everyone here would indicate that they do. You know what would encourage your pastor? If he came back this evening service and all of you were here, that'll put a big smile on your face. Amen? Amen, Amen or oh me. Thank you for coming. Please greet our visitors this morning. I want to close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' precious name. This morning we've tried to break the bread of life. Lord, we've tried to preach what you've laid on our heart. And we ask that this message will make a difference in all of our lives, everyone here today. Lord, there are areas in each, I'm sure there are areas in each of our lives where, that we need to examine. And we need to see, do we truly love you as we claim we do? Help us, Lord, to prove it by serving you and loving you and being faithful. Lord, bless your people. I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word this morning. And again, may it make a difference in each of our lives. We thank you and we love you this morning. Bless our visitors. We pray you'll give each of us a good afternoon. And then, Lord, those who are able, we'll be back this evening. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.